emptiness, a sense of space, no self, and no thought. So this, this awakened state, and what you call getting to the root, getting to the island you cannot go beyond. And that Dhamma part of us, there is an island. I've forgotten it. <laughs> There's a place of nothingness, stillness. So just the, this awaken at the momentary, this presence here and now. And that island you cannot go beyond. So that's to be, you know, this is, these are words, but it's uh, with the sense of yoni so manasikara, getting to the root, recognizing, realizing that. The point you can't get behind. If you think about it, then I get caught in doubt. It's a, it's a, you know, a trap of the mind trying to figure it out. So it's a, it's a direct intuition. That's what, as we treat this emphasis on, this uh, trusting in, in this, not in ideas about practice or about yourself, any conceptions or views about. Buddhism or Amravati or or practice or into any of this stuff can't trust any of it because <clears throat> you just go around in circles the intellect is just it does that it just it's tricky <clears throat> so this giving up trying to figure it out and intellectualize it and understand it through ideas but this imminent act of trust awaken in a moment what is it like I just made it to wake up (laughs) like this <laughs> we had I mean that one we could probably describe how many <laughs> kalapas or <laughs> and give some kind of impressive analysis of waking up it doesn't do any good either because it makes it sound more complicated when it's very when it's the ultimate Simplicity in the thing is so simple, so immediate. And then in the controversies in the Buddhist world about gradual path or instant path, and these are these are intellectualizations, aren't they? You know, when you start thinking, then you you conceive things as instant or gradual and 
and then you the, the instant one now wake up now then the graduate said no you can't wake up right now you've got to develop your sila first and then <laughs> you have to give dana develop sila become a monk or nun and then you can wake up and that's what it sounds like at the time yeah. This, uh, and that's the, and yet both have uh, are, are are all right in terms of re- points of reflection. You know, the perspective as points to grasp and and hold to. They they, you know, they'll only disappoint you. But as they're they're ways of reflecting on experience. I remember years ago, before I ordained, a friend of mine was was obsessed with with. Uh, she was very sure she was very, uh, you know, so many emotional, mental problems that that she uh, she went to therapists and psychologists, and she was kind of obsessed on this level. And she saw herself always as somebody that needed therapy, somebody that needed something, something that that uh, there was something wrong with her, and that she needed to go through. She she told me I probably needed to go through at least 20 years of psychoanalysis in order to be a healthy, normal human being. And then uh, somebody else was with me in a discussion with her, and, she, and he said, you, you think you can be healthy by being sick? And, then, uh, and that quite stuck me as a good reflection. <laughs> so what, I, what I'm going to do is, is assume, even if you think you're sick, uh, assume you're perfectly healthy. Better to do that than to assume that you're kind of permanently damaged or sick. Just like like if if in the Paticca Samupada you start with a vicha you end up with dukkha. If you start with vicha then the, then the then the the pattern collapses, disappears. So I mean, it, so so this is the the moment right now. They to be perfectly healthy, enlightened right now, to be the deathless nibbana right now. Then your your mind will say, "Well, I can't do that because I've got so many problems around this." And <laughs> so then you you get so it's not a point of thinking or or believing anything your mind says, but in in establishing. It's like 
Yonisomanusikha, establish it right now, the, the healthy point. It's not something you don't have, is it? It's not, not anyone in this temple lacks this. It's not something you, you don't have, you, or that others have more of the, but it's recognizing that. really respecting it, treasuring this, this moment, this awakened moment, even if it's just for one flicker. And it's usually experience of not knowing anything, that the, the intellect, the thinking mind just goes blank, and you're in a state of thinking mind's non plus to pop stop and then and of course the momentum of habits take over and you start you know I've got to meditate do my anapana do the sweeping See the anicca, get the insights into the three characteristics of existence, and on and on like that, into all the things that should be done, get samadhi, get insight, satipatthana, vipassana, <laughs> all comes complicated then. <coughs> so how we hold all that, isn't it? You know, the, the intellect's going to grasp that stuff. <clears throat> how you should practice, what you should do first, well, how, you know, the, the Theravada way, the, the way we do it at Amravati, Ajahn Sumedho's way. You know, get, I'm getting a bit... Uh, you're going to develop an Ajahn Sumedho way. And I make no claim to this way whatsoever. So don't put my name to it. <laughs> I have no interest in in uh, in, in, in establishing some kind of new method or cult. The last thing I want to do. So it's like the the teaching of the Buddha and wake up and it's very simple here and now you say enlightenment here and now Nibbana here and now then, they, then, you get, then people quibble about the, the ultimate Nibbana I remember uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa in Thailand he used to he talked about little Nibbanas before the big one and some kind of academic monks and get very upset with this is like 
you know, this is called Ajahn Buddha little Nibbanas, <laughs> big Nibbanas. <laughs> but this, this is, uh, but Ajahn Buddha wasn't afraid to, 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 to use the system. You know, he had a lot of intestinal fortitude, Ajahn Buddha And so he, he could kind of, you know, challenge the whole Thai Buddhist establishment and seemed to almost delight in when they got angry and upset with him. They wouldn't publish his books in Sri Lanka. <laughs> In Burma, I hear they're even more, even more controlling about how it has to be, you know, the, the, the right form of Buddhist teaching is like this. So Sister Damadina, I remember, told me that they would never have allowed Buddha Nasa to teach, publicly teach in Burma. Because <laughs> he stirs the system, doesn't he, kind of, he's willing to challenge or to experiment rather than just fit everything into the structure. You know, it's like trying to contain infinity in a, in a little cup. It's kind of what they call orthodoxy. It's there. Like fundamentalism today, this in Islam or Christianity, these kind of, and in Hinduism in India, these people justifying violent behavior, hatred, prejudice, biases through quoting scriptures. But in one thing that's always Theravada Buddhism in Pali scriptures, you got this Kalama Sutta. That's a, that's an incredible sutta, actually. It says, "Don't believe because the scriptures say so, or because it's tradition, or because the teacher says so, or on and on." It did nine different things that you know categories that you don't don't accept, don't believe just because external sources <clears throat> you know no matter how prestigious and and uh, marvelous or important or wise they may seem this is this is the exploration that only you can know yourself so, so this is not letting the authorities intimidate you like the Orthodox, the fundamentalists, the the uh, the traditionalists—all these things—they can be very intimidating. They come across in a very, you know, in, with great confidence sometimes. You know, fundamentalists are very, very confident. They're right. 
And that's very important. If you're not incredibly confident yourself to challenge it, then you, you te- we tend to get thrown off. So easy to be impressed by someone who comes from a point of real confidence. Then we, when we tend to hang on to that person, the people will follow even the most inane teachings if the teacher is confident. So the instant they wake up, is that all there is? I don't see anything. I'm awake. And then we, you know, so then they, we're expecting something, isn't it? Some, some reward for waking up. Rather than delighting in the imminent act of it, in itself. Just being awake, what is that like? Without expecting, uh, you know, to be rewarded for it or to get something out of it. So then, now this is my experience, and just I can only speak from here. So when I wake up, there's a sound of silence. I can't get beyond it. I can distract my mind from it is uh, what I can do like seeing silence as a uh, conceiving silence as some that has no sound that's a concept you know so so you, you know it's a concept an idea sound a silence is with absolute no sound So then when we, when we conceive silence like that, then it, then we get irritated by sounds. Because <clears throat> you can go into a state where you, everything seems very still and silent. But, it, 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 but then it, it's a kind of an absorption of a, it's not, a, 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 it's not to the root. Is into kind of tranquilizing, dumbing down everything. <clears throat> so, uh, so this, when you get to the to the root, present moment now, like this, and so then this this sound of silence embraces everything, allows. And it's a stillness, the stillness of it. And it's not 
not demanding, not exciting. Though to me this is this is the island you cannot go beyond. Not the sound of science, no, but it's a it it is the that when when I completely give myself to the moment, that's what 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 I'm aware of. And if I relax with it, the Venerable Natiko's love affair, and just float in it. Enjoy the moment, and then this is this is a way of, of of just beginning to appreciate uh, being awake in itself. Not because it's an it's not an attainment. Not like you should get accolades for waking up or some kind of great attainment. Because then those are thoughts again. The ego wants to feel I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm an advanced meditator or something like this. I'm an attained human being. I'm someone who has attained spiritual power, spiritual insight through my dedication for so many years to being a monk. And on, on like that, those are thoughts, concepts. So, in the don't know mind, it's another one, the beginner's mind in the Zen tradition, sometimes they talk in this way. And then we think, then we grasp the idea don't know is a kind of, well, that sounds all right, I don't have to know anything, and that's the path. Uh, we can we can grasp that in the wrong way. But don't know is what's that like? Not this desire to know anymore, but really present. We're not trying to figure out everything, know everything, explain everything, define and justify, analyze, but allow. And then the problem is island you can't get beyond. Then it's like if you that because it's natural. It's uh, you, you, you as you rest and trust. Then it 
one can can just abide. But then this also the mental states will arise. And so this itta that's when the conditions arise and this is the mental state. So then it's like the the guests visiting, isn't it? They they come and they go according to condition. So this this spaciousness, this incredible, beautiful space, infinite space, consciousness itself. Consciousness, you know, the mirror, the, the reflections in the mirror. So it's it's not a dead space, you know, not seeing the unconditioned, or that is some kind of like a oblivion or unconscious kind of wipeout and destruction of everything. It's infinite potential for everything. You know, it's a, it has this sense of infinite possibility. Creativity. Because the Nibbana, it was never meant to, you know, this idea of extinction as is oftentimes defined as in some books in Theravada. It's not an annihilationist. Not annihilation. But this is where trusting in, in the reality this moment, you know, right now, this is life. Breathing, the physical body is like this. There's heat in the body, and there's uh, the elements, earth, fire, water, and air. Consciousness, all this operating right now in terms of experience, it's not just quoting from scriptural authority is that the reality is here. Space, consciousness, the four elements. And what is it that can know all this? You know, is this, is this just some kind of intellectual um, tirade that I'm on? <laughs> What is it that knows this ability, this awakened state, you know, can, can the solid element know the solid element? And examining like that, the air know the air? Or what is it that knows? So this awakened state with, in, with consciousness is like this. It's alive, knowing, vital. It's not just dull, tranquil states. Uh, 
like in, in the practice samatha meditations. I remember how important it is to keep the the uh, the image alive, bright and clear, because uh, like because it, it tend, you tend to, it's a repetitious practice, so it's easy to get perfunctory, isn't it? You get, just like mantras, it's easy to just go money, padme, money, padme, money, padme, money, 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 a drone, doesn't it? It become, you know, you might start puto, puto, and then it's puto, puto, and then you can, you know, you can just be mouthing this mantra, but it's dull. Makes you dull. So then the, the idea with mantra or with the casino meditation is to make them very bright, you know. That takes some kind of awakenness, and you have to put some effort into it because it's so easy. I want to just sink into so. into a nice, cozy, dull thing, and then the, the but it, and it takes effort, doesn't it, to, to keep that. A level of attention and brightness, or with casino meditation, like in, when I did the experiment years ago with the green color, you know. I read the Basuti Manga description, and I don't need to, you know, I don't need to make a casino. I can, I can create one right out of my mind right now. I'm very good at visualizing things, so created this green casino, just mental. But it was a bit dull. The green wasn't particularly, you know, it was a kind of dullish green. I said, dull green, I want a bright. I want a light, you know, full of light, radiance. So I created it with my mind. Bright green, radiant green. And that took, you know, that, that took a determination to do that, you know, to trust in my ability to do it. Because my intellect was saying, oh, you're just playing games with your mind, tomato. <laughs> you know, you're just fooling yourself. This is just an illusion. This is silly. You know, the, the jackals would, would go off like that. Then I go, shut up. And then I'd, and I'd say, okay, now that it's this vibrant green light, the most beautiful green light in the whole universe, that's, I can do that too. <laughs> so this was just my upayas for, for cultivating this, you know. And of course, the the thinking mind, my cynical mind, would go on saying, "What a bunch of rubbish! You're just playing games." But if I stop following that and getting getting uh, you know intimidated and and carried away by my negative ha- habits, you know, I could you know 
sustain this green limita, most beautiful green in the universe. You could, you know, and you learn, you learn how to put it, make it disappear into a little dot and expand it to the size of the whole universe. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it, from the kind of mental constructions that most of us are used to. You know, let's be reasonable, sensible, scientific about all this. You just, this is just, you know, uh, uh, which is a, a kind of mindset that we are educated with, at least I was. Reasonableness. Let's be, let's use common sense and reason. And, uh, and so then, of course, it, it isn't common sense. And it's not, not, nothing reasonable about it. But it is a creative act. You know, and, if, and, the, and the result then is in itself. You say, what did you get out of it? You know, did you want to get some kind of, you know, did you get, did you hear heavenly music or... <laughs> No, but everything green became very... <laughs> the color green, I would pick it out in all its various shades. <laughs> and I could actually, you know, and when I was doing this, I was in this place, remote place where you had to walk three hours on Bindabat down a mountain and back up to... And I learned how to just keep that in front of me. You know, just, just what the mind can do. But then it all, it would all collapse the minute I doubted it. You know, the bright light goes out immediately and says, oh, you're just, this is rubbish, and then it goes, it's gone. It's like that. <laughs> now I can see just by yeah, holding it in this very positive way. You know. And it's a training, you know, where the, the mind, the, the, power of my mind is so conditioned to doubt and, and, and even be cynical, a kind of cynical, skeptical tendency. You know, it's rubbish. Just dismiss something like that. Can't be bothered. Rubbish. Easy for me to, to go into that state. Or to doubt my intentions, you know. Make, there's always something, you know, that the jackal can always create some problem about anything and everything. So, just noting this, that this, because the awareness of the jackals or these, these negative things is, then the determination toward the casino. And the noticing that that, that that the, the doubts come through thinking. This, this, uh, this proliferating habit of the mind. 
So when I think about myself, then I think I can see all the, you know, all the things I don't like and wrong and, and, uh, I'm very good at, 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 uh, noticing, being very much aware of, of, uh, negative with faults, weaknesses, pride, conceit. Fear and so this is where the challenge of stopping thinking. I realized I couldn't trust the thought process anymore. What I think, the way I'm conditioned, programmed to think, I can't trust it. It's delu- it's, 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 it leads to delusion. You know what? Who I think I am, and my abilities, and the way I conceive myself as a person, my uh, personality, ego. I realize there is nothing in that in my ego, my personality, I could trust, because it was uh, it was. And when I when I did grasp those views, it did take me into suffering all the time, self consciousness, worry. Self disparagement. So just analyzing myself from a personal position, I couldn't see the point of it. You know, just for for my personality to analyze me, it just go around in circles. Because I can't trust the, the personality, the views, the opinions, the perceptions that have come. So, in order to get beyond the personality, and to stop thinking, and to trust in the awareness. Get outside the trap of the, of, of, uh, Sakya Ditti. Well, how do you do that? By, by analyzing yourself endlessly, by thinking about yourself, you know, is that how you get out of it? <laughs> it just goes around, you know, no matter how many times you analyze yourself, you come back to the same place. <laughs> You're stuck in the same thing. So then, then it had to be this point, this, this island you cannot go beyond. Is wake up, Bhutto, pure presence. And then establishing that, trusting that so much that there's, you know, because the thinking mind doesn't trust it. The thinking mind will only create problems about it. It'll, it'll endlessly doubt it. Jackals will come and you, you know, Maybe you're deluding yourself. Maybe you're playing games with your mind. And Admittedly, the green nimitta was a bit of a game. That wasn't the way out of suffering. But, it, but, but then this, this, uh, this isn't a game. This, this is real.
So then, you know, if you start with a vicha, ignorance, can you get enlightened through ignorance? <laughs> can you be enlightened through starting off by grasping ignorance? Uh, a vicha. So if we start off with a vicha, I am the Ajahn Sumedho and I'm you know, I go into the personality view again, I can think, I know I've got a lot of faults and this and this and it should be more like that, it should be, um, you know, I think I'm being very honest about myself, you know, admitting my, that, you know, I'm not perfect and I need to do a lot of work on myself and get my act together and get my samadhi and these are all kind of true in a way, you know, there's a kind of truth to it. There's true but not right, right but not true situation. It's not that I'm a, you know, a bald-faced liar. I'm making it up out of nothing. <laughs> but it is habit, isn't it? It's the force of habit, the perception of a self, a commitment to the self-view, the I am the body, I'm this, this person here. You know, this is, you know, this is what I, this, it's a, starting from that view as your basis. So in terms of the tradition we're in, the, you know, you they encourage the society to don a sila. Generosity and morality as a basis because you can, you know, just on a personal level you become better person, nicer guy, kind of by being generous and keeping sila. Yeah. So you can, uh, you know, on that level, if people aren't interested in pawana, they have no sense for it, no, no uh, aspiration. What you can't can't teach pawana to somebody who isn't open to it. <clears throat> but you can kind of, you know, intimidate them into keeping sila, telling them that about the hell realms you go to if you tell a lie and. And so in Thai temples, you know, they've got some of these kind of incredible pictures of hell realms, Buddhist hells. Buddhists are very good at depicting hells. Horrible pictures of you know, people in utter distress, torture and humiliation. They do scare you a bit. <laughs> So, you know, that, that's the carrot and stick approach, isn't it? Reward and punishment. Rewarded for being good, punished for being bad. This is, you've got to, you know, keep the society in order. You know, you've got to frighten people, you know, punish them. Capital punishment, you know, will keep people from doing bad things, won't it? It works really well in the United States. It scares the Americans to death. You know, they're all so good there. <laughs> because they're so frightened. They're going to be, have to be punished if they're naughty. So, I mean, that's, that's the thinking mind, isn't it? That's the way, that's logical. And it, uh, you know, and it's uh, where fundamentalism tends to come from. 
you should be rewarded for being good, being a good Christian, going to church every Sunday, giving a tenth of your income to the church, and uh, not sinning in any way, and then you've got to, you know, punish the bad ones. People that are immoral. The people that uh, um, don't believe in Jesus Christ. They should be punished. And uh, on and on like this. Yeah, the logic comes from from this uh, this way of thinking. And that, so it's on this level of thought, isn't it? Of dualistic thinking. That if we just get stuck on that level, you, you know, what? how do you get out of that level? What is the trigger that moves you out of that powerful habit. As for me, it was so habitual and it's stuck in this very absolutizing of relative condition, you know, absolute morality. And this is how I was taught morality is absolute. Absolute good. And so it it uh, you know it puts it in such a heavy way, just mentally when you hold morality as absolute. It, it you know to me it, it puts me into uh, you know a kind of feeling of being tied up in a straitjacket. One movement away from that absolute, you've had it, you know. You let them eat pickled garlics, next thing they'll be drinking whiskey. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you if you allow just the slight movement of you know from this absolute position, then the whole thing will collapse. <clears throat> Giving into weakness, the devil. You give in just a little bit and he'll take you over completely and you'll be completely mad. The way that that kind of thinking works, and it can be very convinced, very intimidating. <clears throat> and then, when I talk about intuition, isn't it? It's this. Is, this is the word I use: or sati sampajanya. This. When I look, I don't feel that. I don't. That's an ugly feeling absolutizing the relative to me when I that that is not a peaceful state of mind for me to live my life I'm trying to be good because I'm so afraid of the devil I'm so afraid I'm going to be punished if I'm naughty and and just trying to be so good all the time because I'm so afraid of evil when I really look at intuitive, this intuitive is a, is awakened state. You're aware of what what you're actually feeling in your in your guts. It's not. It's 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 uh, it's very painful to be to be like that. And this is my own experience. Maybe you, some of you, enjoy that. <laughs> So 
But this intuitive state, you can't get behind it. You know, like you can't, it's not like dualistic thinking, you can get beyond it. You know, it's, it's, it's a creation. It's a, it's a mental object. So it, it arises and ceases. So you, you're not, you're not stuck in that realm of thinking, cogitations, or you can, through awakening, you're, 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 you're opening to it, you're transcending it. Putting it in your thinking abilities into perspective, you see. So then, this is what I try. Because I haven't created it. It's not some kind of green nimitta that I play with my mind. I play games with my mind. It's not like that. It's not the most beautiful, radiant green in the whole universe. And it seems like nothing in terms of the thinking mind, which wants something, you know, to, you know, this is it. It's almost like not, nothing, a place of nothingness in this uh, quote from the Sutta Nipata. A place of nothingness. That sounds desolate. <laughs> because when we think about nothing, it sounds like, you know, total absence, like a annihilation, a sterile void of nothingness. That's pretty dismal perception but in the reality of nothingness isn't like that it's like this it's alive vibrant it's it's uh, with the moment completely present it's not slumped over in a state of of uh, emotional Dullness, nothingness, the resignation to to fate. Maybe. Oh, nothing I can do. Resign yourself to fate, but awakeness is from this point. And so, like having a love affair with that. That's one way of, of making it work. You know, that, that can help them. And people find that a way of, of giving it some, some, you know, something, make it, put using words to, to make, to encourage this. Like a love affair. A, you want to give yourself totally to the beloved. You know, rather than, you know, in terms of idealizing love. So that the, you know, it's, you give yourself totally to it, not just half-hearted. Well, I love you today, but yesterday I didn't. <laughs> Tomorrow I don't know whether I will or not. So like the Sufi poets, they did, they had love affairs with this uh, Rumi. <laughs> this, uh, these are, 
you know, these are skillful means. So they did, you know, if you see it as a, as a buzz in the air, then it, it is. You know, that, that perception is, is an unpleasant one. So just like the most beautiful radiant green light in the whole universe, Rather than the more saying, well, you know, green's green. <laughs> in order to have develop a green image, you've got to fall in love with it. You know, you want to make it the most beautiful green, not just you know, kind of pea green or olive drab or something like that. <laughs> At least that's <laughs> how my mind works to make it the most beautiful radiant green light in the whole universe then the jack says how do you know maybe there's a more beautiful green <laughs> you think you're God do you think you can see all the green lights in the universe uh, they shut up <laughs> of of encouraging you or empowering you that sounds a bit megalomaniacal (laughs) but they are encouraging you to you know to really you know don't be afraid you know this is this uh, the holy life is like Love it, you know, really have a love affair with it. So it's not just obeying all the rules and keeping a vinaya and, and trying to be good and impeccable and, and uh, set a good example for the society and do all the right things and you'll get all the dana you need. And, and then it is, it's, a, it's, it's half-hearted, or it leads to you know. It's it's not. It won't transcend. It won't help if you do that with it. You see so many monks, you know, in Buddhist countries that have not done anything with it. They just they 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 go along with the with the external. So then you can, you know, you can easily make a case against monasticism if you look at some of the temples in Bangkok <laughs> or, or meet a lot of the monks, you know, because it's, oftentimes it's a way of using, you know, getting a position or getting something. It's so much a part of the culture. So you know it's used in so many different ways, but this is this is where the you know this is what the the thing I learned from Mung Pon Cha what attracted me to him in particular was his uh, joyfulness. I mean he he was a loving 
man. He could really, you know, he loved the life. So it, it then it, it, you know, it, it empowered me to do that. It was he wasn't a half-hearted Buddhist monk, frightened of of everything, you know, and trying desperately to be as good as he could be. He, he was a liberated human being. Now you can't blame the system. Well, you can if you want, actually. <laughs> but, but it's like, like it's, it's to me, upasambhada or the bhapacha is, is a real, you know, it's a, it's a, and go for it. You know, you're given now the right to use these conventions. Use them. Don't just try to fit in and, and, and get caught into conventional positions, you know, and just think that just by the, you know, making yourself into the ideal, that that's what is expected. No, it's it's a it's an initiation. This is this these are now you've you've given the right you're dumb of any, make it work, you know, use it. Explore it, investigate what does it do? How do, how how do you you know, what do you do with these conventions? And what you do with them, what what is the result of it? Are they li- are you being liberated through being monastic or not? You know, is it helping or not? Then you, then you think, well, if it's meant to, it's a, it's guide to liberation. Then maybe I'm not using it rightly. And this is where this awakenness and this wake up. Then you, as you get a sense for that and value that. Treasure it. You say you don't have to be a monk to do that. That's true. (laughs) But then, why not? So today, uh, I won't be here, but, uh, and this evening, it's the day before one pra, I think we, uh, evening puja is optional. And, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, optional puja also. This does not mean that you shouldn't be meditating. <laughs> or you should be sitting around chatting about politics or, Frivolous matters. So those of you who are afraid you are going to be called on to give the evening reflection, you have another day of respite. (laughs) 